Welcome back to Dads on the Air, coming to you around Australia on the Community Radio Network. In this program, we bring you informing and entertaining conversations with a wide range of interesting people on topics of fatherhood, family and parenting, and men's and boys' issues. Hi, I'm Bill Cable, and our guest today is Mark Williams, who's visiting Australia from Wales. Uh, Mark is an author, a blogger, a trainer, a public speaker, having spent 12 years in sales management and trainer roles. He's the founder of Fathers Reaching Out and co-founder of the charity Dads Matter in the UK. Mark, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Bill. How are things? Mark, speaking dad to dad, can you tell us what it was really like for you to have your first child with your wife, Michelle? Yeah, um, everything was planned. You know, we had good jobs, house, I was 30 years of age. But the pregnancy went well. It was fine. But actually, when it went into the labour ward, that's when everything turned, turned for the worse. And I remember after 22 hours, uh, professionals came in and rushed in and they said, Mr. Williams, your wife's got an emergency C-section. And it was instantly, uh, it was the first time I actually ever had a panic attack because I honestly thought my wife was going to die and also my son, my baby. So, yeah, it was a really traumatic time for me in the labour ward. So it wasn't what people think of typically as a, a joyful time when you have your first child? No, no, absolutely not for me. It weren't. And um, obviously from that um, time, my wife went on the ward. And in the next week, uh, she was diagnosed with uh, severe postnatal depression. So um, instantly I had to give up work. I had to look after my wife, who was severely ill. I didn't know nothing about mental illness. So obviously um, I was having thoughts, you know, is it because, is it because of me that she's ill? And... Obviously, didn't nothing about personal depression at the time. And then, eventually, it was affecting my own mental health as well. And so, um, obviously, money worries are coming in. I had a new mortgage, look after my wife. Mm. All in a short space of time. And eventually, yeah, I was, obviously, I was having suicidal thoughts around about four to five months into the... Uh, uh, after my son was born. Yes, in some ways it's it might be even worse for fathers because the, the mother is being looked after when she's got postnatal depression. Well, there are a lot of a uh, lot of facilities now for women that suffer from this, but the man is expected to carry on. You've still got to pay the bills. You might have to have the job of notifying people about the difficulties you're having. Is that an extra pressure for you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing I'm trying to campaign for is, you know, like I said, I'm not, not, I, I feel it should be more family, you know, a family-centred support network because like a lot of fathers I spoke to, including myself, you know, going through that, um, that time in my life, you know, obviously my coping skills was drinking, you know, I was, my personality changed in, in the first 12 months. And yeah, it just needs more support for the whole family as well as, and especially, you know, the father, father too. And is it fairly common that that fathers have this experience that they they have the this bad reaction? Yeah, well, uh, birth trauma is really under researched. I'm trying to make awareness of birth trauma because obviously witnessing somebody you love going through the through the trauma, you know, that's got an effect. And obviously, a lot of fathers, including myself, you know, have had flashbacks, nightmares. You know, obviously thinking the baby has died, and uh, like we know of a post traumatic stress disorder in the guys in the army, but, you know, it's your loved one. You know, some of the stories I've heard of fathers, you know, it's 
it's even affected uh, them from, you know, even going into the ward a second time. You know, the smell of a, a labour ward can actually trigger off uh, trauma as well. You know, it needs more research. And I think, uh, as we know, Bill, you know, the amount of suicides amongst men uh, around this time, you know, men are fathers who, like myself, didn't have any mental illness before it got to that point, before I was actually depressed in the postnatal de- uh, period. And that's what I mean. There's a lot of fathers who actually suffer from postnatal depression, but actually because they suffer in silence for so long, it actually they get diagnosed with depression after the postnatal period. So this really is a message that has to get out there because I, I don't think most people would acknowledge that men do suffer from postnatal depression. That's it. That's, and, and you don't have to give birth to actually have postnatal depression. It's not about that. It's actually the way you're thinking. You know, a lot of fathers think like a mother, am I going to be a good father? You know, there's fathers who are suffering from maternal OCD. There's fathers who've got a history of depression or mental illness before they become a father. So when they got looking after their partners with postnatal depression on top of that, and then they're going to give up work and money worries and house a massive, massive, um, you know, thing to cope with. And like I said, you know, it's, um, you know, I was 30 years of age. You know, you're talking a lot of young dads, you know, 18, 17. We look at the uh, the symptoms and the behaviour. Sometimes we've got to look at the real root of the cause. Why are they actually feeling like this? And perhaps it needs a different attitude. I, I can imagine if if men started talking about postnatal depression, the first reaction might even be to laugh at them, wouldn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what they were doing five years ago. And now, actually speaking in uh, Melbourne, uh, Marseille Society, uh, sorry, Marseille Conference, uh, the big topic was about fathers uh, yesterday and obviously and the day before, and, and even actually talking to today. So it is starting to come to the forefront. I think we're 20 years behind like mothers were, because there was research that says one in 10 mothers actually suffer from postnatal depression. We know it's actually more now. Uh, sorry, the figures are around about one in seven, especially in the UK, they probably uh, say. But we know now it's one in ten fathers actually suffer from postnatal depression. That's research, but I feel there is actually a lot more fathers because a lot of fathers suffer in silence and, and go, you know, turn to drink and, and drugs. In my own experience, talking to fathers over the last five years. For women now, it is very much accepted, and even in in the law. I mean, if it goes to the extreme case where a woman kills her own child in the first twelve months, at least in Australia. It's not classified as murder. It's given a new name. It's given. It's called infanticide, and the women are usually given a suspended sentence rather than treated as a murderer. Yeah. So it, it's. I presume it's the same in the UK, but uh, that's uh, that's a big difference. If men get nothing, and women uh, can are very much recognised as having this depression. Absolutely. Like I said, I, I, you know, the way I, I try and explain it simply is, if there was no pregnancy, there'd be no depression in our first 12 months. And there could be loads of factors why these lot of fathers, like including myself, suffered in the postnatal you know period. So it could be, like I said, looking after the partner. You know, am I going to be a good father? You know, there's a lot of fathers who, um, as you know, with mental illness, uh, it's a big stigma anyway. But can imagine a father actually coming out saying, that, you know, I've got postnatal depression. You know, as well. So it's a really under-researched, um, and also that's one of the, one of the reasons I've I've actually campaigned is actually say, look. I would have been diagnosed with post depression, but I was actually diagnosed in five years later, actually, when I had a breakdown. And I was told by professionals I would have been classed as post depressed. You are concentrating on an area which you call perinatal. Is that a, a certain period? Like, is this even before the birth that men might become depressed? Yeah, perinatal is it's very much... Um, 
postnatal depression has always been um, and baby blues, but we talk about the antenatal period, so as well as baby blues, as well as postnatal, and also peripheral psychosis. That's when obviously the uh, the mother is actually hallucinating and you know and the most severe form. But like um, the father actually suffers from antenatal depression because imagine going into a labour ward like I've only got one one child the thought of myself going back into that labour ward and the fear of actually seeing what I've witnessed and also my wife and the baby then obviously you know it's like telling somebody to actually okay you haven't dealt with that trauma now go back into it now these fathers got to wait nine months then they're thinking is it going to happen to me again I'm, is my wife going to post the depression so the thought process changes then obviously then and also then, you know, it affects everything. It affects the whole family. Sometimes a lot of families are breaking up uh, because of the illness. There's, um, obviously, we, you know, we can go on about talking about the bonding attachment to the child. You know, there's loads of factors. Early prevention, and that includes the father. I must stress that it's got to be a more family approach, more from this concentrating on the mother and baby. You know, at the end of the day, I've talked to fathers where, and mothers, sorry, that the mother have actually said, I'm well, I'm fine. But he's struggling, and I've got to look after the father. I've got to, sorry, I've got to look after him. So that's got an impact then on the family. So we've got to be more family-orientated rather than just the mother and baby. And we're speaking today with Mark Williams, who is an author, a trainer, a public speaker, and he's visiting Australia to address a conference in Melbourne. We're going to take a short break now. We're going to listen to a song by Jimmy Cliff called I Can See Clearly Now.
And that was I Can See Clearly Now by Jimmy Cliff, which I hope is the situation for dads as a result of Mark Williams' visit to Australia. So, Mark, uh, we were just talking about the perinatal period uh, for for how it might affect dads. We, was your son a particularly difficult child after he was born? No, no, I, I was lucky. I was, um, he was fantastic. Um, that's one thing, I think, because I stayed at home. Uh, obviously, I bonded and uh, with my son closer, and I think he gave me a, a lot more focus. But um, yeah, it was nothing. It was just a case of I was really worried. I couldn't tell my wife how I was feeling as well because I didn't want to affect her own mental health as well. Um, but unfortunately, what happens is this is the other thing is that when I became unwell in 2011, my wife's uh, depression actually came back the second time round. Mm. So because now she was looking after me, it's just such an area where. You know, it needs just needs awareness, and it's great that I'm talking to you, Bill, about um, especially about the father side of it, because it's like I said, it's so under research, and 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 the more awareness, especially, needs to be made. Now, you've been very open about your own situation. Do you think there were any special factors for you personally that that might have contributed to your depression? I think um, I was actually later on diagnosed with ADHD, so um, you know, a condition which I've had all my life. Um, diagnosed as 40 when I actually went through um, having a breakdown. Is, I think more awareness perhaps on perinatal mental health, post-state depression, you know, it needs to be more, you know, if it, if it is, um, you know, I didn't know, if I'm honest, I didn't know I was really actually going through depression. Even when I thought, you know, one day I didn't make a plan to kill myself, but it was a case of when a bus actually came down the side of me, I wanted to jump in front of it to stop the agonising thoughts. Even then I should have gone to GP to get help, but mm. I didn't. I still suffer in silence. So I think, like I said, education is, is a key, and I think it should be, um, you know, it's, it's got to come into schools, you know, mental health especially. But, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's early prevention and education needs to be brought to, to everyone, really. Yes, well, thank goodness you didn't take that extreme measure. But uh, what did you do about it when you finally acknowledged that you were suffering from depression? Yeah, well, after my wife um, obviously got better then, obviously I went back, uh, tried to get back into work, changing careers and things. But um, after the breakdown, I actually went to the GP and I was part of medication and counselling. I learned about uh, CBT and mindfulness and really positive coping skills rather than, you know, to, than drink to black it out. Um, and then eventually then I, I met a gentleman in a, in a gym and... Um, I was talking to him side by side because I think uh, my own experience, fathers talk better side by side. And um, he said, um, or, you know, can I bother wait? So I said, yeah, yeah. He said, um, um, I'm going to NHS Prams. And I found out there was the same nurse that actually helped me and my family. And she set up an organization for women with postnatal depression. But unfortunately for Brian, he actually, um, he was looking after his wife and he lost his house, he lost his business. Uh, he lost everything because depression kicked into him then and unfortunately you know brian is actually um still in services in his 50s now after losing everything but what i'm saying was that it was that point that i went on to set of fathers reaching out because i couldn't believe there was nothing for fathers there was weren't enough for women in the uk and it's a lot better now but then it was nothing nobody was talking about it. from my experience i would share my story and it's just gone on and you know i've been on radio stations television and um it's changed my own career, really, and I'm, I'm just even speaking to myself. You know, it's just it's given me sort of a purpose as well. I just purpose that I don't care what anyone really thinks, um, because I've had negative, negative people, you know, and, and educated people, especially with postnatal depression, and men, 
in the early days, but people are starting to think, you know, this needs to be taken serious. So you've mentioned fathers reaching out, which you started. What does it do? I, I think, you, do you speak at, uh, perhaps, do you even speak in prisons? Yeah, I've, I've done a bit of everything, really, but um, I think what happens with fathers reaching out, I'm, I'm setting up a new organisation for enough. There's, there was reasons why, unfortunately, due to funding, and I, I couldn't pursue what I wanted to do. I'm setting up a new organisation called uh, Dad's Mental Health UK. Um, so we're trying to tackle everything about uh, not just perinatal mental health, you know, fathers who've got bipolar, schizophrenia, you know, clinical depression, you know, they need to be... Um, and also, believe it or not, in the UK, uh, there's nothing that mentions the word fathers on the NICE guidelines. So if uh, the NICE guidelines are like um, guidelines for support, and so they've got the mother on it, but unfortunately, if a father's struggling, there's nothing, it only says partner, so I'm hoping to change that, and more health visitors and professionals actually take the father serious then as well, you know. So mm-hmm. it's all things we're doing mostly campaigning now, I am. But I also set up um, International Father's Mental Health Day, which is the day after uh, Father's Day, because I wanted for one day of the year to actually say, look, you know, bring everyone together and talk about father's mental health, because I think it's, uh, I think it's really an important subject. I think um, uh, Prince William have just come out a couple of months ago saying about uh, father's mental health as well. So, you know, it is coming, but it's, we're, we, we're still far, far way off mm. yet. We need to get that word out, and perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Melbourne. Yeah, uh, well, I'm go- I've just uh, done a talk at the Marseille conference, which is a big um, conference with a lot of professors and doctors. And I'm not academic, but I've actually been uh, supported by a lot of academics now. And um, and then um, after Melbourne, actually, I'm going to New Zealand and Auckland, and then to Seattle. So it's a self-funded trip I've done, really, but uh, with the support of my wife. Um, but I felt that. I, I think Australia, we are, uh, sorry, Australia is further, actually, than the UK when it comes to fathers' mental health. So it was really good catching up with a lot of uh, people from Australia uh, yesterday. And, and uh, yeah, it was it was really, really inspiring to see what, what stuff is going on here as well. And and you're speaking, you're presenting a paper, are you? Yeah, I did it yesterday, yeah. I did it yesterday in the, um, on the it was on Tuesday. So um, I did a, it was fathers and perinatal mental health and, uh, yeah, it just yeah, it just went really well. You know, I got good feedback, and um, I think I think um, lived experience is very powerful. But also, I brought about um, explaining what all the fathers I've spoken to over the last five years. You know, it must be nearly a thousand fathers via uh, face, you know, Facebook or support groups or you know, phone calls. And I found that um, a lot of knowledge of fathers. I've, I've actually opened up to myself because I think I think they trusted me. I think they trusted that. Oh, well, you understand, because unfortunately our fathers are suffering in silence and, and you know, they, they don't know where to turn. And, um, but, yeah, it's, it, was, it was such a good event, yes, and, and I, I'll be honest, it's some really, really good stuff happening in Australia. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, going back to the UK, uh, you started Dad's Matter UK. That was with your friend uh, Chris Bingley, I think, and he had a terrible story of his own, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, um uh, Chris actually um, uh, lost his wife uh, through postnatal depression. Obviously, had, had, had a massive impact. Um, unfortunately, me and Chris have gone out separate ways now. Um, uh, he's gone on to do um, to different uh, different area penetrating uh, mental health, um, and I've gone on to do uh, more campaigning, more uh, policy changing. Even though I, I was, I, I loved the ground root stuff, you know, talking to fathers. But a lot of fathers, I was trying to trying to you know tell them to um, speak out, but. It, 
unfortunately, some fathers, you know, they, they want to speak out, but then they worry about the, the stigma around uh, mental health for their, for their partner. So, so um, yeah, I've I, just been trying to campaign mostly now and um, trying to change policies and, and, uh, and to say there is a father and he should be supported as well. Maybe some uh, there might be some uh, advice you can give in advance. Um, like I, I seem to remember before I was married, I was told that life changes when you marry, but it really changes when you have a child. Absolutely. So maybe if dad's got to realise that this is going to happen, it won't be such a surprise, and maybe they won't get that big reaction and the depression that sometimes follows. Absolutely, yeah. And like I said, every father is totally different, and they go through a birth and everything's fine. But what I will say is, if you are struggling, trauma can happen in any form. It's the smallest in communication. There was one father, actually, um, when his wife was getting rushed down for emergency C-section, the, the midwife actually said, say goodbye to your wife. So instantly, his thought process thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose my wife. So he was having a panic attack, and then his wife was actually having a panic attack because she could see him. Having a, you know, so... I think um, trying to educate yourself more, you know, and you know, think that um, if you are struggling inside, you know, struggling, sorry, just seek the help. The earlier you get the help, the quicker the recovery. And in Australia, for anyone that that is affected by these issues, you can always go to Lifeline or Men's Line. There are a number of services available. And we're speaking with Mark Williams, who is an author and a a trainer and a founder of a number of charities helping dads. We get to this part of the show and I ask our guests if they'd like to pick a song. Would you like to tell us which song you've picked and why you've picked it? Um, My song is, uh, yeah, My Way by Frank Sinatra. I think it's uh, a sort of song I uh, always sing on karaoke. uh, It's a sort of song I used to hear growing up and uh, I think the lyrics are so, so powerful as well. So yeah, Frank Sinatra, really, My Way. And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my way Regrets, I've had a few But then again Too few to mention I did What I had to do Saw it through Without exemption I planned Each charted course Each careful step Along the byway more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off 
That was My Way by Frank Sinatra, a very powerful way to end this show. Uh, don't forget, uh, we'd love to hear from any of our listeners. You can go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au, and send us an email, and, and we'll be in touch. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our shows, go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au, or you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And it just remains for me now to give a very special thank you to our guest, Mark Williams. Thank you very much for being on the program. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. And we'll be back next week with another show on Dads on the Air.